how do you choose to communicate? What's your preferred choice? In fact, let me put it this way. What, what is your preferred means of communication? Now, you might say, well, it all depends on what I'm trying to communicate and with who I'm trying to communicate that thing. If only we had a chart where we could line those things up, maybe a lot like the one that's on the screen, that we have things that we want to get across. Maybe, maybe we want to request something of our extended family. Would we make a phone call to each family member? Maybe if we're above a certain age, we might do that. Maybe we might send a group email or a group text. If we wanted to make an important, uh, an important announcement at work, would we use social me- me- media to, would we post that on Facebook to get that across? Each of us has our own choice as to how we're going to communicate the things we want to communicate. Well, this connects with our passage because it turns out that it's a story of God communicating, that there's messages, He has His messengers, and He makes choices about the means of how He's going to communicate those messages to His messengers. Now, this passage that we have today happens to be a longer passage. We're going to read the full of the story. It's chapter 10 in its entirety, 48 verses. It's part of the story that we find in the book of Acts, you know, that Jesus died and was raised again, and, and then He ascended to be with the Father in heaven, and, and the church was unleashed on the world, that uh, by God's uh, grace and with God's help, they had to understand what does it mean to be Christian in this world. We were Jewish, and now because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, there's something new. What's the application of that good news to being God's people in this world? And so, chapter by chapter, we find the stories of the church coming into its being, coming into its life and its mission. It's connected to our Yes, We're Open series. Over the uh, weeks in this series of sermons, we're, we're actually taking time to say, God, we're open to hearing your Spirit speak into our midst, that you would use certain means to let us know the messages you would have for us. As I read through uh, this longer text, I'm going to ask that you particularly listen for three things. What are the means that God uses to communicate? And He uses a number of them. What are the means that God uses to communicate? Who are the messengers? You see, God speaks to some who then will go and speak to others, or God will speak to some who will go and act in certain ways, and that impacts, uh, uh, impacts others around them. And then what's the message or messages that God communicates? The means, the messengers, and the message. So with this in mind and uh, with your Bibles open, I really do encourage you to have your Bibles open. If you're participating from home online, that we encourage you to open your Bible as well. We would put it on the screen, or we will put it on the screen, but there are a lot of words in here. So let's receive the Word of God this morning. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, 
your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to this house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them. And, uh, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I, am, I too am a man. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner, by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is is acceptable to him. 
As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him, uh, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. May God bless the reading of his word. And may God show his favor on us as we come under his word this morning. All right, the means, the messengers, and the message. First to the means. Have you ever experienced God speaking to you? Maybe it was a nudge. Maybe, as we've talked about over this past number of weeks, maybe God came to you and there was some kind of an impression inside of you. And at first, maybe you didn't even know what it was. And maybe God chose to repeat it several times in order to get your attention. Maybe God spoke to you in a nudge. Maybe there was a voice, an actual voice you heard. You couldn't explain it. In fact, maybe you were a little timid about sharing that you had heard a voice because you weren't really sure about it, but there was a voice, a clear voice. You heard that voice, and that voice you came to understand was God speaking to you. Maybe there was a dream or a vision. Maybe you fell into a trance. Maybe there was a conviction, that there was a conviction that you, you felt in your heart, you knew in your mind that, that there was something that God wanted you to do or not to do, and, and you felt convicted over it. Maybe there was a scripture passage or a whole bunch of scripture passages. Maybe every time you open the Bible, you sense God speaking to you. If not the Bible, maybe there was a teacher. Someone came and, and you experienced a teacher and, and they brought forward uh, an insight to God's word and you sensed God was speaking directly to you. Maybe it was an author speaking to you, God speaking through that author, through a book to you. So many different ways. Well, in our story, there are no fewer than seven different ways that God spoke, the means that he chose. In verse 3, we have him coming to Cornelius. Even the context is different. He's in Caesarea Maritime, so along the seashore. And this was the center of the, uh, of the occupier's uh, rule for that region. So he comes to Cornelius, who's in Caesarea. He comes at the ninth hour 
which would have been an hour of prayer, comes at the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, and Cornelius experiences a clear vision, a clear vision. And in the vision, he has an angel of the Lord speaking directly to him. So the angel of the Lord comes to him and says words. That's one way God chose to speak, one means. We find that there's a different experience for Peter. Peter's in Joppa, about 30 miles south of uh, Caesarea. It was the sixth hour. It was midday. In fact, it was the day after that God had um, spoken to Cornelius through the vision of an angel. And he's on his housetop roof. He had gone up on top of the roof, midday, sun bearing down, and he was hungry. And here we have the word trance. Not necessarily a whole lot different than a vision, but some kind of extrasensory experience. But in Peter's trance, there is both an image given, a picture, and a voice. Here's the picture. There's, there's a picture of a, of a big piece of cloth, a big sheet, and on it is all this different kinds of food together, and a voice comes and, and says to him that you need to, to kill and eat. And it's repeated three times. One of the things that's different for Peter is that he doesn't get it. Whereas it was a clear vision to Cornelius, for Peter, he has to ponder it and wonder, what is it that God is revealing in these moments? We go on down the story, we find in verse 19 that now it's not a vision given to Peter, but it's actually the Spirit's voice. While he's still pondering, the Spirit speaks to Peter um, as the people from Caesarea are coming toward his gate. And the Spirit tells him to go down and to go with these people. A fourth way that God is, is communicating, another means, it, it requires us to step back from the passage just a little bit and to see the coordination that is taking place. That on one day God reveals to um, uh, Cornelius, on the next day he's speaking to, to Peter, there's, there's the timing of the people coming down from Caesarea to Joppa, and then the Spirit speaking just in time for Peter to know that he gets to go with these people. And so God communicates through the coordination of the timing and movement of what's taking place. A fifth way happens in verses 36 through 43. This is at the time when Peter actually goes to Cornelius' home, and he speaks the good news of Jesus. He proclaims. It's the proclamation of the Word of God to the people. God speaking through Peter that other people might receive the good news of Jesus Christ. And then God gives His Holy Spirit. This is the uh, sixth way of communicating. He communicates His Holy Spirit to them. The Spirit falls upon all those who heard the Word. God showing up in their lives, blessing them, dwelling within them. And then finally we see that they are baptized. A seventh way of communicating. In baptism, it's not just a symbol we do. It's God in His sacrament taking His seal and saying, you can trust all of my promises. So what's our takeaway from all this? I think it's at least this. We have a speaking God. We follow a God who communicates with His children. That when we look throughout all of Scripture, God has been the God who speaks. He shows up and communicates and reveals. God reveals Himself God reveals the way before His children. 
God is a speaking God. Therefore, remain, our call is to remain open to whatever God might want to say to us. We remain open to God speaking to us. Three words about this. Three quick words. The first word is Bible. You see, we want to be careful that, that, that we're not just thinking anything we might hear is from God. So we have been given God's Word as, as just a great foundation for us to receive all the other things that God would want to communicate to us. It's our foundation. In fact, it is actually a source of God speaking to us. All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for our walk with Him. So it's a foundation, it's a source, but then it also becomes a filter. That God is not going to come and, and say something that goes, uh, that's in opposition to the Bible, so it becomes a filter. So we want to start with the word Bible. If we're going to remain open, let's make sure that we have our Bible as a big part of our life. The second word I would give to us is attention. If we saw that God was speaking in so many different ways, it calls for us to pay attention, to be open. I have no idea how God might speak to each one of you today. Maybe it's through a song that we sang today. Maybe it was through the actual actions of the confirmants coming forward and making a statement, and God used that to speak to you. Maybe there's something in our passage, maybe about the ninth hour today, about three o'clock, you're going to have a conversation with somebody, and God uses that conversation to speak to you. So pay attention. Be open. And the third word I would give to us is simply humility. Humility. You know, there can be that thing of, uh, you know, I know enough. Or maybe even worse than that is that, that I, know, I know more than most, or I know all. Or, uh, and so the idea of being humble, God, I am your servant, and I'm open to you speaking to me. Your speaking to me doesn't make me special. I'm special because I come to you in Jesus Christ, and it's Christ that makes me special, and it's Christ's love for me, and, and now I just, I'm before you. I submit to your voice in my life. All right, so that's the means. Let's talk about the messengers. We, we um, have Cornelius. Cornelius, he happens to be a centurion of the Italian cohort. We do not have the time to go through all the description of how uh, Roman soldiers organize themselves and the roles of different folks. Here's what we can tell. Cornelius being a centurion, he said he was a leader, but more importantly was that he was a non-Jewish leader, a non-Jewish leader. Cornelius was not part of the Jewish um, uh, identified group of the Jewish nation. We're told, though, that he's a devout man who feared God. Commentators seem to agree that in here there's no technical statement being made. It's not like, like there's a certain class that he was, then he wasn't necessarily a God-fearer or a proselytite or something. He was not circumcised, but he was religious. He was spiritual. He loved God. He feared God, respected him. And what we also find out then is that he gave alms generously. By this time, for the people of God, it had been identified that to give alms was righteousness. This is a statement, Cornelius, you need to know this, he was a righteous person, and he pre prayed continually to God, and he had a great reputation among all of the Jewish people. I love this. I love in the telling of the story, we also find something of the very experience that the telling of the story of Jesus has in it. 
You remember the birth story of Jesus, that there were these foreigners that came in, these wise men that came in, and God used them to declare, hey, this is the new king born right here. This is the newborn king right here. We acknowledge that. During Jesus' ministry on this earth, there was a centurion that came to him, a centurion that came and said, listen, I've got a servant of mine that's sick, and I know that you've got the authority to make a difference, and you don't even have to come to my house to do that. I recognize your authority. And Jesus said, you know, I haven't seen this kind of faith anywhere. This is awesome. There was a centurion at the cross of Christ who said, surely this this man was innocent. How God in the story of the working out of what God is doing, we have seen this pop up before. You might say that, that this is the unexpected messenger You know, if you look at the story of God's people, you find that God has his prophets and they come up from God's own people and they speak. But here we have the outsider, the seemingly outsider speaking, the unexpected. We know his response. He immediately sends his servants. He prepares for Peter's arrival and he believed the good news when it was preached. The unexpected messenger. Then we come across Peter. Now, Peter, we would expect to be a messenger. He's an apostle. The only thing is Peter comes to this story with a checkered past. You know the story of Peter, one of the apostles. You know that that when it came time and Jesus was walking out on the water, Peter was the one that got out of the boat. That's a good thing. But then he took his eyes off Jesus and began to sink. That's not a good thing. That Peter uh, was, you know, uh, the one who um, uh, said, you're the Christ, Jesus, you're the Christ. And then just after that, Jesus is going, you know, I'm going to have to die. And, and Peter rebukes him, and Jesus has to say to him, get behind me, Satan. So he had the good, you're the Christ, but they're not so good. Get behind me, Satan. Now, Peter was the one who denied him three times. He had a checkered past. He also has a checkered future. We know the rest of the story. You see, there will become a time when, when Paul has to call Peter out for a choice he was making. Even in this story, we know, we'll talk about the message in just a moment, but we know in this story that God was revealing that there was this connection that could happen between non-Jewish people and Jewish people. And yet, we'll come to find out that when James sends some of his folks over to see Peter, Peter stops eating with Gentiles. And Paul calls him out for it. A checkered past, a checkered future. Here's what we get. Not only does God use the unexpected as his voice in this world, as his messenger, but he also uses the imperfect, the imperfect. So our takeaway is that are we open? Are we open to hearing God speak through the unexpected? Are we open to hearing God speak through the imperfect That could be others, and that could be ourselves. Remaining open. There's this passage in Ephesians chapter 4 where it says that God gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, all with the purpose of bringing us to unity and to the full stature of Christ. And and God working in us to bring that about. God using expected voices, unexpected voices, imperfect voices, the messengers. Let's take a look at the messages. Turns out it's multi-layered. 
It's a multi-layered message going on. First, when we see Cornelius and the message that God gives to him in the midst of his vision with his angel coming to him, it's a message. It's just simple. And maybe some of us are going, hey, God, if you have a message for me, make it simple. (laughs) Don't give me the confusing one. To Cornelius, he said, you know, there's a guy. His name's Simon. He goes by Peter. He's staying at a house that's owned by Simon, who's a tanner. It's by the sea. Now, I want you to send people down there, and I want you to invite them to your house. Simple instruction, straightforward. Here's what I want you to do. Peter, it's a little bit more complicated. In his vision, in this picture, God's playing something out. This, this picture of the sheep coming down, and, and there's all this kind of food in it, and, and he's being encouraged to kill and to eat, and, and Peter pushing back. What am I to make it three times? You know, for, if we wanted to explore all these food laws, a good place to go would be Leviticus 11. In this is laid out, God says here, these are the things you're not to eat and, and, and not to um, uh, consume. And, and we get to this one verse, or two verses in that passage, Le- Leviticus 11, 46 through 47. And we get to find out why it is, what's taking place here. Watch what happens here. This is the law about beast and bird and every living creature that moves through the water and every creature that swarms on the ground to make a distinction between the unclean and the clean and between the living creature that may be eaten and the living creature that may not be eaten. To make a distinction. God wanted his people to know that they were set apart to be his people in this world. And they were not to be like all the other nations. There was to be a distinction made between the clean and the unclean. Now, God doesn't come out and make it a law that, that the Jews could never have um, association with non-Jewish people. But the people of God, over the centuries, they, they came to a conclusion, if God set these food uh, rules for us, then let's not eat with Gentiles because we don't want to break it. They could have gone and, and brought their own food with them. They, they, they could have um, gone and not eaten. They, they, they could have gone and if the host was, was a kindly host, they could have prepared the meal a certain way and served certain kind of meals. But they just simply said, you know what, we shouldn't eat at all. This was part of the, the way that the law had grown by that time. And here the word comes not to make distinction. But if we look back at verse 20 in our text, we find these words. This is when Peter is pondering, and the Spirit comes to him, and the guests are at the gate. And this is what the Spirit says in verse 20. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation. That word can be translated distinction. This is the connection. There's the picture of the food. There's not going to be a distinction with the food. Jesus has fulfilled the law. You don't have to worry about it. You're set apart through Christ, not through your dietary things. You're set apart to the whole world through Christ, through the forgiveness of your sins. So there's not going to be distinction. Now you go with them. You, You go without hesitation, without distinction. And that's being removed. So it's not just about food, but it's about fellowship and connection with other people. And then we have this message to Cornelius. Again, now through Peter, 
So we had a message saying, here's some simple instructions. We had a message where God's saying, listen, you got to get this complex, big theological thing. You need to have it clear because it opens up my mission for you. And then we have this message coming to Cornelius through Peter, that you're saved through the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is good news. The forgiveness of sins is yours through Christ. By the way, there's yet an additional layer. This whole offering of Jesus to the other nations is not a new message. God had already said it to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, and I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing, and all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. That's coming to fulfillment through Jesus. Isaiah 49.6 is a place people often turn to for uh, roots of this message as well. In Leviticus 49.6, we, we read, God says, It is too light a thing that you, my, the Messiah, the chosen one, should be a, my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. It's an old message coming to fruition. Okay, so what are our takeaways? What, what are our takeaways from these messages? Well, the first is this. Would you be open to simple instructions? What if God were to say to you, even this afternoon, hey, I, I want you to go talk to your neighbor. Would you be open to hearing from God a conviction, a nudge, a vision, a, a, some kind of a, um, a, a voice speaking to you? Go speak to your neighbor. Or, or, you know that person that you need to work at your, this thing out with, would you go to them and work that thing out with them? If that voice comes, that we would go and we'd follow that voice. Be open to simple instructions. As a church, as you're listening on behalf of the church during this time of, of reflection, of, of listening to God, hearing the Spirit speak, maybe God will speak to you on behalf of the congregation. It'll be a simple instruction. Hey, would you bring this ministry to an end? Would you begin this ministry? Would you invite these people to come and be a part of your congregation? Be open to simple instructions. The second one is be open to new applications of already revealed um, uh, instructions. Uh, would you op be open to new application of existing revelation? Let me give a quick example. We know that it says in the Bible that we're to love our neighbor. But maybe we've kept loving our neighbor within these bounds. And we don't step outside them. We just assume that that's good enough just to love our neighbor within these bounds. But what if in this season, God were to say, don't just stay within those bounds. Here's what I mean by love your neighbor. You know, the people of Honduras, they're your neighbor. The people of, of, of that community, are a part, they're your neighbor. The people at the border, they're your neighbor. The, God calling us to say, listen, in this society in which you live, I've already revealed this. Would you understand it this way? Be open to new applications of existing revelation. The third th takeaway I think that we can take from this is be open to changes that change everything. For the Jews to change the food laws, to change the distinction, the very thing that seemed to set them apart from all of the other people around them, that changed all kinds of life. For the Jewish Christians, this was a whole new way of envisioning. They had to be open to a change that changes everything. And maybe we've arrived at a place where we go, you know, I'm open to changes, but just not these four or these 12. Can we be open to the changes that change everything? 
a vision that changes the church inside and out. All right. A quick conclusion. And by this conclusion, just a quick review. The means. God speaking in visions. God causing trances, coordinating timing and movement. God's proclaiming his good news through his servants. The means of baptism. Here's our call. Let's remain open. However God might choose to speak to us, whatever means he might use, remaining open. Making sure that we hold on to the Bible, that we pay attention, and that we move forward with humility. When it comes to the messengers, remaining open to God speaking through the unexpected, remaining open to God speaking through the imperfect, maybe even remaining open to God speaking through you, the person next to you. And finally, with regard to the messages, God might give us simple instructions. He might release us from past distinctions. It may be the, the, the message of the gospel. And will we be open with a kind of courage to be about whatever God would share with us? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of the story of Cornelius and for the good work that you accomplished in that whole drama we thank you for how you spoke to Peter and made use of his life, how you spoke to Cornelius and shared your good news with him, how you spoke and communicated through the giving of your Holy Spirit, even to us today, that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Would you continue to work in our midst? Would you find us to be an open people that are squarely founded on your scripture, that, that we are paying attention to you? God, we are humble and submissive to whatever you reveal to us. God, thank you that you speak. May you find us to be a people who listen. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.